Where Dreams Come From is a podcast featuring successful people from around the world who have pursued their dreams to arrive at a station in life. I'm your host, Sanjeev Chatterjee. I'm a professor of cinema and journalism, and in my creative life, I make documentary films. I started this podcast to explore what it takes for people to follow their dreams, even while being true to who they are, at least who they believe they are. So far in this podcast, most of my guests have told us about their aspirations in life and their quest to achieve their dream. My guest today, Deirdre Barrett, is different. She studies dreams. She writes books about the dreams people have in their sleep, and she teaches classes at Harvard about those dreams. Deirdre has been interested in dreams from a very young age, and her search is, in part, about the dreams we have while asleep and their bearing on our waking lives. Deirdre Barrett, welcome to Where Dreams Come From. Hi, nice to be here. Our conversation today is unusual for this podcast because usually we talk to people who had aspirations that they were following, but you are an expert on dreams, dreams uh, as in things we see when we are sleeping. So I will try to keep my conversation limited that. I wanted to know where your interest arose to study dreams or be fascinated with dreams. I always had very vivid dreams from the earliest childhood ones I can remember. I just, I remember dreams every night and they were really more surreal adventures than most people. So um, most of the dream researchers I know tend to have a much more vivid than than average dream life. So I think getting interested in my own dreams is where it started. And tell me a little bit more about dream searchers or dreamer searchers. We're a fairly broad group. Um, what, What I do is mainly on dream content. I collect people's dream journals and correlate it with uh, their gender and some waking personality traits and nationalities uh, or I do some clinical work where I'm looking at how the dreams of people who suffered a major trauma differ from other people. I do intervention studies where either I'm working with people who have post-traumatic nightmares in coaching them on changing those or I've done some studies on problem-solving dreams, not just the ones that happen naturally, but on teaching people bedtime dream incubation where they can self-suggest the dream content, focus on a particular problem or question. What is the correlation of what we dream about to our lives? There's something called the continuity hypothesis, which has been pretty well proven now, which, uh, which posited that we dream about things that are very consistent with the concerns in our waking life. Uh, long ago, some of the psychoanalytic dream theories, especially Jung, tended to say that whatever developed in our waking personality that that the sort of opposite trends that were less developed in our conscious self would be developing in our unconscious and showing up in dreams so that that people that were very um, sweet awake might be more aggressive in their dreams or people who are very assertive awake might be very passive and shyness and fears would be coming out 
Um, but that, that opposite hypothesis proves not to be true. Uh, there's much more consistency to the trends that people show awake and asleep. Something you said uh, caught my attention. So how does culture and religion perhaps and nationality play into it? All of those external things certainly affect our, our dreams. They are somewhat socially shaped, but actually some of the some of the similarities are even more striking than the differences across cultures or societies or, or nationalities. Um, we seem to be hardwired for fears about a lot of the same things and strivings for social relationships. And especially through this pandemic, I've been so struck by how similarly people all over the world are dreaming about it. The same motifs show up all around the world. But definitely you can see some differences that are culturally determined. Like in most societies, um, men will dream about men about two-thirds of the time and women about one-third of their characters and women dream about 50-50. But in cultures that are much more sexist than our own, um, where women are really kind of to be seen but not heard, you see even more male characters. It, it's still, there are more women in women's dreams than men, but the, but the total number go down. You have particularly studied trauma and dreams, and we are in the middle of, uh, still in the middle, I think, of the COVID crisis. Uh, what have we learned or what did you learn uh, through this, uh, this process? I started this survey on March 23rd of 2020 and it's, it's still ongoing but the, the book came out when we were about six months into the pandemic and I've seen an evolution in what people dreamed over time. Early on there were lots of dreams that were just very directly about fear of catching the virus and about half of those were very literal. The person was spiking a fever or they were coughing or having trouble breathing and thinking they were getting the virus in a very literal way. And about half of them were more metaphors for getting the virus. And some of the metaphors you see in any sort of disaster or crisis are similar, and I think they're sort of primally, instinctively coded into us. We often dream about natural disasters in place of something going on in the modern world, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, when that's not the actual issue. And I saw those after 9-11, and I saw a lot of them with COVID. But then there have been some metaphors that seem very unique for the COVID pandemic, like there were lots of dreams early on of the dreamer being attacked by bugs. And it was no one type of bug, but swarms of flying insects, like bees, hornets, swarming at the, the dreamer, masses of wriggling worms moving toward them, armies of cockroaches running toward them, just all sorts of bugs, but almost always lots and lots and lots of them. And I think that partly in English and several other languages, not all, the, we, we have this word, pun-like word, where we say I'm coming down with a bug to mean I'm getting a virus or at least getting sick. 
So I think that dreams often do sort of pun-like things with visual images substituting for, for words. But also I think very closely related to that, that lots and lots of small things that cumulatively could harm or kill you make a swarm of bugs a very, very apt metaphor for all the virus particles coming into your body. So, so that's one big cluster of dreams that I've never seen for other crises that were very distinctive to this. There was a smaller cluster of invisible monsters were, were out there. You can't see them. Sometimes you could hear their footsteps or you could see their shadows. Sometimes you just knew there were these invisible monsters that could jump on you at any moment. And I've seen monsters standing in for other crises, but not invisible ones. So, um, so there, the similarities were striking with, with other disasters, but, but also there were some unique things. And then it really evolved over time. It was mostly about fear of getting the, the virus at first, but then after a while, those never went away. They have not gone away to this day. But, but there began to be many others like as different countries and parts of this country went into lockdown for a while or had quarantines and stay-at-home orders. Uh, there became a lot that were about those more secondary effects um, of being furloughed from one's job or having one's kids home from school or being told to stay at home. And those tended to split in two groups where the people who were sheltering at home alone had these exaggerated scenarios about isolation and loneliness, and they were being thrown in prison, especially solitary confinement. There were multiple ones where somebody had to either be alone on a spaceship or they were appointed to be a one-person colony, in one case to Mars, in another case to Saturn. So ju just these narratives of I'm all alone, far away from anybody else, um, that, that exaggerated what they were feeling about staying home in their apartments. In the popular way of thinking, uh, we think about dreams, I think, as aspirations in life, but uh, the way you have just spoken about it, I'm wondering uh, if uh, dreams uh, are triggered by fears more than aspirations. I think at least as much, and certainly if you're talking about something like dreams about a pandemic, more of them are going to be fearful. Um, I mean, when I do research on creativity and problem solving, and I'm having people incubate things that would be useful in their professional endeavors, then many more of those come out as being something that relates to aspirations. So. I, I think that, that our dreams just range across everything we'd be thinking about awake. So we wouldn't say our waking thoughts are just about aspirations or just about fears. And I think dreams, dreams are similarly. Wishes, fears, just all kinds of other mundane things, just everything we're thinking about awake might turn up in a dream. But some of them are definitely dreaming in the nighttime sense about our dreams in the aspirational sense. I have to ask that, you know, having been in academia for a considerable amount of time, uh, in my own lifetime I've seen a tremendous spike in uh, young people's mental health issues. Is there a correlation between ment mental health and 
what we dream about and how we dream about them? Yes, I mean, it is, like I said about sort of general continuity with waking life, that's true of mental health problems. Um, there, there are two things that are the strongest predictor of nightmares, and one of them, interestingly, is just how vivid your dreams are and how much dream recall you have. So there's some tendency for some of the same people who would have kind of beautiful, transcendent, dramatic adventures in their dreams also to have somewhat more than their share of nightmares. Uh, but the other correlate is how anxious are you specifically. So the same people who have waking anxiety disorders tend to have many more dreams that are anxious or, or even nightmares. Um, so, so there's kind of a, just how vivid are your dreams thing that, that sort of cuts across the positive, negative, or seeming to be tied into to mental health versus mental illness. But yes, definitely depressed people have more negative content in their dreams, and anxious people have more fearful content in their dreams, and you, you do see it um, paralleling the waking state. And what do we know about people who can't recall any of their dreams? It's like a bell-shaped curve. It's really rare t for someone to say that they haven't recalled a dream in years, that they have no dream recall at all, or that they haven't since they were a child. Although, that you do encounter that occasionally. That's not unheard of. But, um, but much more typically, there's a range between people who'd say they only recall a few dreams a year and people who say they recall dreams most nights. There's, that's just if you got a hundred people together you'd hear both of, of those ends of the continuum. Um, and there, there are a number of things that correlate with how much dream recall people have. The, um, the most boring but the really strongest predictor is how many hours a night you sleep because we, we have rapid eye movement sleep when, when most dreams occur every 90 minutes, but each REM period gets longer through the night, so the first one is just a few minutes, and then it's going on like 20, 25 minutes, um, potentially in the longest period at the end of the night. So if you sleep six hours instead of eight, you are not getting three quarters of your dream time as you get three quarters of your sleep time. You are getting much less than that. So we are a chronically sleep-deprived society. You're talking about things that could trigger dreams. In the how much do you sleep, it's really a matter of how, determining how much you're dreaming. But for all of the other things I'm talking about, for a given amount of sleep, most people are spending the same amount of time in the dream state, and it's a matter of how much do you recall your dreams rather than triggering the dream to originally happen. We, we, most of us forget most of our dream content. In what ways has our understanding of how dreams while we are sleeping correlate to our waking lives? I think that Jung and Freud both had some really important ideas that are um, so incorporated into modern psychology that they're not even the ones that we talk about as Jungian or Freudian that much. I mean, 
Freud didn't invent the idea that dreams are unconscious or metaphorically representing things for us, but he's certainly the one that took that idea out of Western philosophical traditions and kind of dragged it into Western medicine and psychology and applied it to mental health issues. Um, and, and so that idea that, that dreams are metaphorically representing unconscious trends is pretty widely accepted and we don't really call that Freudian or Jung agreed with, with that part anymore. We just think of that as kind of a psychological given. And some of the things like dreams being so visual in their representation and tending to condense one or more people or elements into, into one thing in a dream. Freud was, was pointing out a lot of things about dreams that we just take for granted now that were not as, as obvious to people before. And Jung put so much emphasis on dreams as telling us about other aspects of ourselves that we're not totally in touch with, and again with it being the unconscious, and that some of these things were kind of inherited shared human tendencies and others were specific to our personal experience. So let's say that I'm someone who recalls dreams very vividly. What are some things you can say about such a person? There, there's a range. It's not like it, recalling dreams vividly automatically tells you for sure certain characteristics, but you'd be likelier to be getting more sleep than most people in our society. You'd be likelier to be fairly psychologically minded and introspective and just interested in psychological things in general and more than averagely interested in dreams. Um, you may wake up a little more gradually and lie and relax when you first wake up rather than leap up and turn your attention to some practical task at hand. Um, so, so there are a lot of sort of on average, if you have a group of people who recall dreams better than average, most of them will do each of these things. There's not a perfect one-to-one -one correspondence for any of those. Do dreams have a practical application in our lives? Yeah, I think dreams have many practical applications. I, first of all, I think that dreams may be doing things for us without us consciously doing anything with them awake. I mean, there's research that suggests that they kind of readjust our emotional state from what we went to sleep with, um, that, that there's a certain psychological healing that's, that's happening during rapid eye movement sleep, even if we don't recall our dreams, but especially like that the effect of some of the recalled content changes our mood or way of thinking about things in positive ways without our necessarily having to focus on it. Are there things we can do to enhance our dreams to a more positive direction? Yes, I think in a superficial sense, but this has been a very common request through the pandemic. People just talk about having more anxiety dreams than they would like and they feel like it's a vicious cycle that they're anxious by day, so they have anxious dreams, so they wake up more anxious. And, um, and so you can use bedtime dream incubation just to try to have fewer anxiety dreams and have the dreams you'd like instead. You don't want to fall asleep going, I hope I don't have an anxiety dream. That just makes 
makes it come to mind. So you want you want to think what you would like to dream. Maybe there's a person that you haven't gotten to see through the pandemic. Maybe there's a favorite place that you'll go to soon when things open up even more. So I want to dream about this person or I want to dream about this place or maybe flying dreams are your favorite dream. I want to have a flying dream tonight. Um, so that can just make your experience happier. Some people want more adventure than they're getting now, but other people want more sort of soothing, calm, safety kind of imagery in their dreams. So you can do that with dream incubation, but you can also challenge yourself more and, and think about problems that you want to solve or questions that, that you have. Um, how do I want to change my life once this is over? How do I want to be a different person than before this happened as a question to fall asleep asking yourself. You can definitely use it to focus on the sense you use dreams in more of aspirations. So we can actually suggest what we want to dream like uh, on demand. Yes, and it does not work perfectly. In one study where I had college students incubating dreams on particular practical problems that they were trying to solve. In a week of doing that, 50% of them dreamed about their target problem or question, and then about 25% dreamed some sort of answer to it. Um, but, but so, so if it's more like the dream about a particular person, that's about a 50% success rate just in having a nice, happy type of dream. In dreaming an answer to a simple question, that's about a quarter of people will succeed in that in the course of, of a week. And, and many of the failures are simply that person doesn't recall any dreams at all from that period. Um, I mean, some people recall some dreams that didn't target it, but really at least half the failures are just, I fail to recall dreams. You have actually documented your own dreams on your website in, in the form of art. Is there a purpose to that or is that just something you wanted to do? I guess I'd say it's mostly something I wanted to do. Um, I, I've written about dreams and art. I'm very interested in dreams and creativity broadly. Um, so I've certainly written about other artists who make images from their art. And I've always seen such compelling imagery in my own dreams that both I wanted to look at it again to be able to kind of stare at it the way I can actually look at it in the dream rather than just remember it. But I also wanted to be able to show it to other people. You know, this is this creature I saw in a dream or this is this amazing architectural structure I was in last night. Um, and I, I really can't paint or sketch very realistically when I try to do that. It's kind of an exercise in frustration. So it was really about six years ago that I sort of finally figured out that by a combination of taking photographs and then doing very heavy digital manipulation and, and changes on them, I could produce something that looked quite a bit like, like imagery that I was seeing in my dream. So I've kind of been wanting to drag my dream images into the waking world for my whole life and periodically would wake up and draw something and then just not like the drawing. But, but once I was doing it with the manipulating photographs with, with all the new digital programs, there are sub-programs in Photoshop and then there are all these other freestanding programs like Deep Dream that really help with that. So, so I found that very rewarding 
and again, the, just the, the number one thing is to see my own dream images again, but I like that some other people can see them and some of them enjoy them and some of them resonate with them and start telling me things that are similar about their dream world. Um, so just like with the dream sharing, I feel like sort of dream sharing visually by making art is, is a way of connecting people. And it's fairly different dreams that I might do the most intense interpretation and work on or write about as an illustration of a problem-solving dream versus the ones that just have compelling images that make me want to uh, to reproduce it. Deirdre Barrett, thank you very much for taking this time with me this afternoon. This was interesting. I enjoyed it. Thank you. My takeaway from this conversation with Deirdre Barrett is that we, each one of us, need not think of ourselves as helpless subjects of our dreams. We have a clear role to play in giving shape to our dreams while sleeping and in real life. Today's episode was edited by Scott Albom. For Media for Change, I am Sanjeev Chatterjee.